0: Welcome to P.U. Scatfest, a chapter-by-chapter page-to-screen analysis of the Harry Potter
1: series. I'm Sarah Day.
2: I'm James. And I'm Meigs.
1: How was your week? Oh, you know, just another week. It was fine. Yeah,
2: yeah, this this is probably the best part of the week so far.
1: Aww.
0: (laughs) Well today we're talking about chapter seven The Sorting Hat and this is minutes thirty nine fourteen to fifty twenty two of the film. Harry and the rest of the first years finally await the ultimate test of fate. Dun dun dun. Remember, Ickle Firsties, we will be using our vast knowledge of the worsening world to compare the page to the screen, and we may gab about future moments that happen in the books or films. Now, without further ado, let's cause some mischief. Welcome back, listeners. We're going to hit you with some feedback from James.
2: Hello. So we received some feedback. I don't remember who told us, um, but somebody mentioned that uh, there that with coral, there is actually no turban. Uh, so in when he's in the leaky cauldron, there is no turban, and it's not like mentioned. And he in shakes hands in the book. Sorry. Yes. So there's no Turban in the le- when he's in the Leaky Cauldron shaking hands with Harry Potter, and he's even shaking his hands. So that's obviously like a big thing later in the books that we talk about. So that's something that we didn't even consider as we were discussing whether or not Voldemort was possessing Quirrell, which we found very interesting. So that was the detail we had not noticed. And so thank you for person. Uh, whoever you are uh, for that feedback. But in the movies, <laughs> Quirrell did have the turban in the leaky cauldron. So that's an interesting detail that they added into the movie, but it wasn't in the book.
0: Yeah.
1: And Meigs, do we have a review this week? We do. We have a review on Apple Podcast. With the news around HBO's plans to turn each book into a streaming series, here's your one-stop shop for all things HP, and that is by Agatha's Brooch.
0: It was Agatha all along.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Thank you. All right, so yes, thank you
0: so much for leaving the reviews. It really helps us get discovered as a new podcast that
1: really helps us out. Yeah, we're still baby Harry.
0: <laughs> We're ickle firsties. <laughs> so, uh, we and the first years are all introduced to McGonagall, and some house ghosts stumble across the students' path as they await the secret test.
2: Which apparently nobody knows what it is, which I find very interesting because this is like a staple in Hogwarts tradition, and nobody knows that it's a hat that's supposed to sort you into the house. Like, is that a detail that nobody like shares with anybody? Like, yes,
0: I find it so hard to believe that Ron, who is is he like the sixth to go through this test, has they've never mentioned the sorting hat.
1: At home. Right. Very
0: hard to believe. And none of his family.
1: He has a huge extended family, I think. Yeah. And like, yeah, I also find it hard to believe.
0: <laughs> and I get that they just wanted it to be a mystery for Harry, but it, it, maybe it would have made more sense for Ron to be like pulling his leg or something because yeah. I just find it so hard to believe that Ron doesn't know.
1: I think, yeah, I mean... I Yeah, like I, I get that they were trying to make it a mystery for Harry, but it's mm. just so not plausible that it should have, you know, Ron should have just been the one to tell Harry on the train what it was. <laughs> and then it could still be like magical when they do show up there. That just at least would have been more realistic in this, you know, fantasy series about witches and wizards.
0: If Ron told Harry that it was a hat that sat on your head and, and determined what house... And it could be, like, you don't know what the hat tells you. Um, because in the movies, he talks out loud. But I believe in the books, how I interpret it, at least, is that he is just talking to you, like, in your head. And no one else can hear it. Um, so there's, like, a whole no, conversation. because the hat sings nobody... a song. Right. But the conversations with each student isn't said out loud.
2: Oh, okay. I see your point. Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah, are right.
0: Um, so Harry could have the same similar fear or nervousness going into wondering what kind or even fred and george could pretend that the the hat quizzes you or something you know
1: yeah like they could have fabricated it a little bit so that it they didn't quite know what to expect but it is really surprising well that it it, it does know.
2: it does fit fred and george's character to have them Make fun of the tests and like make Ron worry, but then you would have thought that Bill or Charlie or even Percy would have been like, Don't listen to them, Ron. It's just a hat that goes on your head.
0: Yeah, yeah, you know what I
2: mean? Like, I there's they're all together, they're all there. They're probably hearing Fred and George tease Ron. You don't think one of them would have at least gone, Hey, uh, that don't listen to them, they're just being. Uh, silly like they normally are. It's actually this. Nothing to worry about, Ron.
1: Folks, it's rare that we're going to start right off the bat with (laughs) complaining about something in the book.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm glad that we're all on the same page that we all were like, (laughs) what?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I do love um, in the movie, just the opening part of this chapter, you know, they go right into the the entrance hall and they're talking with McGonagall. Or she's talking to them, I suppose. Um, I do really like the adaptation that they did in the film of McGonagall's little speech. With the finger
0: taps. Oh, yeah. Well, And before we get to her speech, we see her, like, tapping her fingers on the banister. Yeah. And then it pans to the students coming up. And it's just such a great introduction to her. I know we saw her, you know, in the very beginning, but it's a great introduction to her as a professor at school.
1: Agreed. Yeah, I really like how they did that. thought it was, like you know, no notes, really. I thought it was perfect. Um, I do wish that mm-hmm. like I, I highlighted her eyes lingered for a moment on Neville's cloak, which was fastened under his left ear and on Ron's smudged nose. Harry nervously tried to flatten his hair. I think little details like that yes. are really cute. Yes,
0: I was thinking like we don't necessarily have to zoom in on those three kids like with the collar and the nose and the hair but having her McGonagall having the like, giving her speech, and then just seeing that in the background would be Mm -hmm. a nice
1: touch. It would also be funny if they did it, like, the office style, like, that style of um, camera work, where they did, like, zoom in on each of them. (laughs) Like, it would be funny, but that would have to fit in, obviously, with the the vibe of the The show, whatever they're going to go with.
2: Yeah. My opinion on this, like, little section, I guess, like, movie-wise, is, like, I think it did a really good job of like introducing the gray hall and having like little experience of just entering Hogwarts i think it um mm-hmm. like Meigs was saying like it really works for an adaptation as an introduction to this school that Harry's going to be at for an entire year and uh it really kind of sets the mood and the tone for the rest of the movie for just the wonderment and the fun that we get to experience and all the new little cool things that Harry is going to see and learn and and all that stuff and how we're going to be participating in that. Um, The things that they did leave out of the book, like were cool and funny and, and like I wish they had added them, but like for time wise and things like that, what they did add and leave in there was, um, was chosen well and done very well. So I'm glad Mm. we got what we got, but I can't wait to see a lot more. Like I want somebody, I want somebody to compose the sorting hat song and see like how, what it turns into and actually get to listen to it for the first time. Because that would be really fun. That's always been something I've kind of enjoyed is reading the sorting hat songs I'm kind of just yeah. trying to find a tune to it and, and doing all that. So I can't wait till I hear somebody else's like version and like kind of start singing that on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And the song later um, at the, like during the feast or before the feast, they all, and they all sing it to their own tune. Oh yeah. Um, that's going to be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I, as I've said before, listen to the audio books and uh, Jim Dale does a great job of And I don't know if somebody composes it for him or if he comes up with it himself, but um, he does have good uh, renditions of these songs, which is always fun to listen to.
1: I do want to see either a montage or um, (laughs)
2: like
1: in in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I don't know if any of you listeners have watched that show, but whenever they do some type of flashback, they do like the little like the um the walkie-talkie static sound and then they do like a quick shot of whatever it is that they're like remembering and then like the little walkie-talkie sound and then bringing it back to present and it works really well for that show i think it's really cute and i i feel like i'm just gonna um manifest this harry potter show becoming a comedy and so if they did that then another quote that i highlighted from the book is um Harry'd never been more nervous, never, not even when he had to take the school report home to the Dursleys, saying that he'd somehow turn the teacher's wig blue, like yeah. imagining like he's like so nervous. He's like t- telling Ron how nervous he is or whatever. And then it like switches over to a flashback of like the teacher's wig turning blue. And then, you know, the Dursley's getting mad at him or whatever like that. And then going back to present, I think um, there would be a lot of opportunities for moments like that if they chose to go that route.
0: Yeah, that would be really fun.
1: Mm.
2: That's funny.
0: Um, especially since the books are from his perspective.
1: Right. And, it, you know, the books are really you know lighthearted. So.
0: <laughs> now I'm imagining Lizzie McGuire and a little cartoon Harry, yes. you know, yeah. like, doing all of the inner monologues. Oh, my yes.
2: gosh. <laughs> that would be oh, so funny. It's long since I've thought about that. Oh, wow.
0: Mm-hmm. That um, would be an so- interesting
2: way to do it.
0: We haven't mentioned the conversation
1: about the one, the only, Peeves. I know. Well, my next thing that I highlighted was about the ghosts. And so I feel like this segues yeah. perfectly.
0: And we do get, you know, them flying in and stuff. But this, I, and I think until we, has does Nearly Headless Nick have any other appearances? Um, because I feel like this is the only time we see the ghosts in the movies until the gray lady comes back for her
2: uh, too. Uh, nearly headless Nick is one of the victims she does
0: get petrified yes that's right but then that's it right or yeah no. it's
1: such small moments it, yeah that we see doesn't,
2: and they're such a big we, part of the book we probably see like we probably see like versions of the ghosts like walking by in the distance maybe as we watch the movies yeah. we can probably look out for that but there isn't like actual appearances from ghosts that actually have lines in the movies until right. Uh, Listeners, if movie anybody eight. wants
0: to have a marathon this weekend and let us know, <laughs> that's <be> great. <laughs> uh,
1: Harry Potter weekend,
2: but nearly Headless do, does show up, but movie one and movie two.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. I do wish that they would have added more of the ghosts in because they are okay. I hope that in the shows. They add more about the ghosts because they all have – um in the books, they all kind of have different personalities. Like they – you know, she writes them as if they're people, which the, yeah. they're ghosts of people who have their own personalities. Whereas in the movies, they're all kind of the same. I mean, they have slight differences just depending on if they have dialogue or not, kind of. But like they don't really have the different personalities. They're all – Kind of the same. And well, so yeah. I want to see, a, I mean, especially The Bloody Baron. That's like one of my, well, I'll just save that for later in the episode.
0: Right. And they don't even have that whole storyline. They just have the great, anyway, this is something that um, really irks me about the movies. But um, they forget. And again, it's probably because they didn't know what was going to happen in the future books. And that's why I'm so excited. They have all the content now, mm-hmm. but they only reintroduce characters when they're important and it's like these characters have been here throughout the whole time like dobby nearly headless nick they didn't do they only had him come back to be petrified but they had a whole death day party in the books for him and it's like that's all cut um so that's one thing i'm really looking forward to the show is they know the the end game um so hopefully they don't cut out all these characters just to have them come back to die or whatever it may be
1: yeah yeah i mean it would, it the ghosts are so much
2: traumatizing
1: fun. yeah
0: yeah or have more emotional weight really
1: have more a what
0: emotional weight like not that it would make it less traumatizing but no like, that's what Dabi, i'm saying though, like if they take
2: that yeah. if they cut it out it would be less traumatizing because of like, that yes Oh, we are introduced to this that. character five seasons ago, and now they're back, and now they're mm-hmm. dead, and they're just like, "Oh, that's sad, I guess." Whereas if you're like you're still seeing them as a recurring character, and then they die, you're gonna get more traumatized for sure. Mm-hmm.
1: I do like though that for the films they or for the for the film for the scene they did as usual, a really good job of setting the scene and the location is great. Um, music obviously is great. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like they did a good job of making it a just totally magical world, especially for Harry to suddenly be a part of. And then, you, you know, you can tell that even though Hermione, she did, she read all the books and everything, but she still hasn't been in that environment before and so it's just and then ron he grew up in the wizarding world and with a wizarding family but still he's never been in hogwarts before so it was i think they did a really good job with that in the film and it's really cute to see all the kids like looking around like oh my god this is so much more amazing than i ever could have thought of so i thought they set the scene really well
0: and before we enter the great hall we have the Draco introduction, finally. yeah, <laughs> um, And it's so funny because I had such a little crush on Tom Felton. I mean, don't AKA we all?
1: Draco? I guess. Don't we all perpetually <laughs> have a crush on Tom Felton? I, I uh, it's I so fun to like but... watch this again.
0: <laughs> 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 um, and it's just so fun to be like, oh my gosh, remembering little 11-year-old SD and this crush she had on... Tom Felton. Of
1: course, yeah. I mean, I did have the biggest crush on Harry, but I don't know. I'm trying to think like of how that Harry evolved. or Dan? I mean, I guess both.
0: Yeah. I guess kind of
1: both. <laughs> yeah.
0: And so it's um, nice to see this is where the rivalry between Harry and Draco really begins, mm-hmm. and at least in the film. And... Rape so McGonagall taps Draco on the shoulder to be like, "Go get back in line."
1: Love that part. And by he the way, just
0: gives Harry this look, and that's it. That's yeah. the rivalry beginning, and yeah. it was just really great acting on Tom's
1: part. I thought I wrote oh, yeah, that down definitely. in my notes. I love McGonagall tapping Draco on the shoulder, and just like how the camera like pans up at her and the the look that she has. It's so perfectly she McGonagall. Knows. Yeah. Yes, and I just love. How you get the sense that, like, she's, you know, I just love her character in general. She's just so, like, we don't need to do any of this. Let's not be dramatic. Let's just do what we know we need to do with our life and Mm -hmm. stop causing problems and just move on. And she's actually a very admirable character in that way because she's pretty much always like that. And so I love that we get that right away from her you know it seems like she's really uptight which she is because she's you know she's one of the strict teachers but really you know she's never causing problems she's never being mean she's being absolutely fair to everybody and so I really I really like that about her
0: although I did notice in the film she goes and Slytherin and it's just that kind of tone she has is like she knows they're the troublemakers and
2: well and it's she she is a very competitive person. Uh as mm-hmm, we get to know right. McGonagall going forward, we we see this competitive side in her that like mm-hmm. is just not there like that's uh, not very apparent when you first meet her and like you're introduced to her, but like when you're getting to know her and she's kind of letting her hair down a little bit, she's a very competitive person. Uh, and right. she does not <laughs> like Slytherin because Slytherin has been winning the House Cup for six years, according to Nearly Headless Nick. Nearly Headless Nick was like, oh, I hope mm-hmm. you guys help us win the House Championship this year because Slytherin has been winning it for six years in a row. So, of course, Professor McGonagall is kind of like, Ugh, I can't believe they've won six years well, in a row. I need my house to like get some recognition here. <laughs>
1: Well, what I love about it is that it it's seemingly out of character for her because she is so neutral and like treats everybody the same, like, you know, 99 percent of the time. So when she does get competitive or something like that or some type of dramatic in some way, it's really funny because it's like out of character for the rest of her. So I do love Mm -hmm. when she has those competitive moments with the house cup because it's like, wait a second, you're not supposed to you're not supposed to be competitive (laughs) like that. You're not supposed to care.
2: (laughs) But she does. She has house pride. She does. (laughs) She She
1: does. She does. I'm trying to think. Oh, I love, I love also, I remember watching it when I was, you know, when I first watched it. And, okay, I remember watching it when I first watched it. When I first watched the movie, I remember seeing Harry slash Dan because they're the same in my mind. And how he was like, I think I can tell the wrong sort for myself. Thanks. And even though like, I knew that that line was coming just because it's, you know, they, they put this scene in a different section, I guess, of the storyline, but it's like pretty much how his conversation was with Draco in the book. And so I kind of knew that that was coming, but it was still like, yeah, that's right. Like, yeah, you can stand up to people who are being mean to you and you can be smart about your friends even if you're only 11 years old. So I remember seeing yeah. that at that age and being like,
0: And we see that earlier in the book too with Dudley. Like he's, he's yeah. you know, never really let Dudley bully him. It's more, you know, he can't really stand up to the um, Vernon and Betunia. But so he's got that... Well, he's witty about it. Yeah. Exactly.
2: And now he can do something about it. Yeah.
0: No, he's in a whole new setting. He's starting over. Yeah,
2: he he can define who who he is.
0: Yeah. So we are ushered into the great hall, and the sortings begin,
2: which I thought was done very nicely. In the film. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. in the book, I liked it a lot, but like in the film, it was done very nicely. I just wish they had maybe done it a little bit more of a, like a variety instead of like all of a sudden like they started with hermione for some reason and then they went into yeah. uh and then they went into like susan bones and then draco malfoy and then ronald weasley and she so it felt like it was jumping everywhere whereas i wouldn't have minded yes. if harry was like watching this happening and it was still kind of going in an order of sorts um and harry's just like i i wouldn't have minded if they had just done the scene as like they drowned out the noise of like the sorting happening and then harry was paying attention to snape like he did in the movie but while Mm. the sorting was happening but in Mm -hmm. but he for some reason they just show the like they don't even show like somebody being called up or having that happen they just show Harry looking at Snape and Snape looking at Harry and him going ah and then being called up to get sorted
1: yeah it was just With really it. short I did write down yeah. non-alphabetical and it really bothered me <laughs> because that would have been really easy to keep it alphabetical of I know very <laughs> you guys easily. I this
0: was my piece beef to skip ahead to the end the alphabetical order is yeah. my peace beef That yeah. just bothered me so much it was,
1: it's not okay <laughs>
0: <laughs> like why 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 do it i don't what's like, you james, have what, what job is, <laughs> oh, yes what is the directorial decision here james <laughs>
2: I think the directorial decision was that they wanted to focus on some of the more bigger characters and they probably filmed some of the kids getting sorted, but for editing reasons, they probably cut it down because I imagine they like sorted Dean Thomas and Seamus Finnegan uh, because their child actors were there and they were standing there uh, ready to get sorted. And I'm sure they sorted Neville, as part like i'm sure they filmed that stuff but editing wise they probably just cut it down and then left susan bones in there for some reason (laughs) i know i'd love
0: to see (laughs) the scene of neville running off with the hat still on his head yes
2: i know what the heck
1: (laughs) (laughs) that was one of the things that i wrote down too is that it's i don't why like there are so many like cute funny moments that wouldn't have taken that long that they I think that they should have left in um and Hermione almost running to the stool and jamming the hat on her head I mean she kind of in the film they made it like a little bit you know you could tell she was kind of tense but I do actually really like when Hermione was going up or when they were all the camera was just like kind of on them, and she was telling herself, She's like, Relax, relax, relax. Like, I like how they they added that in so you could feel her stress, but like, I want to see her running up there. Um, Seamus sitting on the stool for a whole minute before the sorting hat declared him a Gryffindor. I mean, that's interesting, and they don't even cover that in the rest of the books at all, but that means that he was probably s- maybe gonna go somewhere else. And so, I haven't looked and seen where else, what other house he might have, um, potentially been sorted into. Well, but and
0: Hermione later says that she the hat wanted to put her in Ravenclaw. Right. Um, So there's a few where the hat and maybe they won't make the decision to make the hat quiet this time. I don't know. I
1: don't know. I I just
0: can't wait to see the show. (laughs) I
1: I did highlight if only the hat had mentioned a house for people who felt a bit queasy, that would have been the one for him. Um, Harry thinks in his head. (laughs) I think it's cute.
2: That definitely was funny.
1: But yeah, I think that yeah, I think we need to release the Columbus cut and see everything that was filmed and watch a. I would watch a four-hour movie about the source. Well,
2: still, as long speaking as they put of everything.
0: deleted scenes, James, was there any extended scenes in nope, this chapter? Not
2: for this chapter.
0: Ugh. Wow. All right. Wow.
2: Wow. But wait, stay tuned, listeners. Chapter eight. We're going to have a nice one that we're going to have a lot of discussion about. <laughs> um, I
1: think even though it like, I feel, okay, I feel really conflicted about the sorting hats conversation with Harry. And I'm curious about how you two feel about it. Because half of me likes it and half of me really doesn't. Which part? Sorting hat talking to Harry in the film and like talking out loud, yeah, like comparing that moment to the book. I don't, I feel really conflicted about it, about the adaptation, I guess.
0: Yeah,
2: I think it, it, I think it could go either way for me because, like, Mm -hmm. for the fact that it was like spoken out loud in the films, like, if only that was like a thing that was in Harry's mind, maybe. Because it would be kind of be like it would be kind of embarrassing because everybody would just listens to the hat say, <gasps> not Slytherin, eh? And you're kind of just like, well, thanks for spilling my deep dark secrets of not wanting to be in Slytherin. Now everybody's gonna be like, really Harry? Gosh. But like I think it did it pretty well with the conversation, if it was just portrayed a little bit more of like how i feel like sarah day says like a little bit more private like how how it feels like yeah. in a book because yeah maybe they were trying to go off the intention that the conversation was just between him and harry and that nobody could hear because it wasn't like anybody was snickering or laughing when he mentioned it so it film wise it probably his mouth is moving that way but you Yeah. You look at it and you go, oh, like he's talking out loud. Everybody's supposed to hear that. So they could have done a better they could have done a better adaptation and letting it feel like it was just between him and the hat. And that would have made me feel a little bit better. Like, but script wise, I think Mm -hmm. they did a pretty good job. So it's like 50-50 for me.
0: Yeah, I think I agree. Like the monologue is fine. I just wish it was internal instead of having the like you could have still had the hat's facial expressions, but just not had the mouth move and have it be a voiceover. So you could th- know that he is communicating to Harry um, telepathically.
1: I guess yeah. I have a question for the listeners who have watched the movies and not read the books or have like read the books a really long time ago and don't really, you know, weren't really super invested. Um do you did you get the impression that this scene when the sorting hat is talking to Harry that it's implied that nobody else can hear and or or did you get the impression that it was said out loud that anybody can hear cuz i could see the the headcanon being that even though it was said out loud and they you know the director chose that to be the scene that they're speaking out loud that it's implied that it's there's like a magical soundproofing barrier around them so nobody else can hear but i'm curious how movie watchers who haven't read the books how they uh feel about that
0: well i mean the hat itself could be a soundproof barrier it could have the muffliato spell cast on it yeah (laughs) but yeah that's a great question
1: and i feel like i just i really want to like that scene But something about it bothers me. Something about it peeves me. And Mm -hmm. I feel like maybe it's because they're pandering. Like they there were maybe it's because they went so not alphabetical before. (laughs) And so I was like irritated about that. And then they chose to try to make it word for word for the sorting hat moment with Harry. And so I feel like maybe because they were bouncing around and making decisions that were that kind of confused me about choices that they made for the way to film it and then they were like oh but we're gonna do this word for word i'm like okay no you can't just like choose one thing to be word for word."
0: exactly so let me ask you how you felt about dumbledore's speech
1: i did not like it in the film no i wrote down dumbledore speech <laughs> in my notes <laughs> to make sure that i talked about it
2: yeah so are we talking about the nitwit speech or are we talking about the announcements at the end yeah. Um, did he
0: make announcements in the book?
2: Yeah. Yes, because he
1: did. I he spoke before and after the food in the book and in the film.
2: So, in the before part was the like four or five words. He's like, "I have a few words." And he says, "Let me see if I Knit-wit, can wit like, blubber, oddment tweak." There you and go. Yes. And that is something we that. talked
0: about in the first chapter where they take away that quirkiness of Dumbledore.
1: Yes
2: and then everybody eats the food and then after the food he says i have a few start of term announcements for you all and he says all the things does that he, he mention in the movie filch? yes he says filch he does uh, mention him. he says filch wants me to remind you um not to third, cast four, magic quarter. in the corridors
1: in the book but in the movie, right the is that what you're saying yeah yeah in the book he says that movie
2: then in the movie he says mr Filch wants me to remind you not to go into the third floor corridor
1: yeah so they just shortened all of that but i you know i don't like that i think that dumbledore you know the acting of dumbledore he looks like the ultimate wizard you know That casting, you know, absolutely, totally looks like the perfect wise old wizard. But Mm -hmm. because they went with like a quieter type of Dumbledore, it was it just took away that the quirkiness of the Dumbledore that's in the book. Um, And I even though I also really like the third movie and on version of Dumbledore. um,
2: Michael Gambon. I.
1: Yeah, I I still don't think that they nailed it. So I'm very curious to see what they do for Dumbledore in the show because I am not that I think either of them did a bad job necessarily. You know, like I think that they did fantastic for, for what the script was, for what the movie was. Like this Dumbledore totally fits with the first and second films for the vibe of the films and everything. Yeah. And then same with, you know, Michael Gambon and the later ones. But for like you had said, Sarah Day, with your... Envisioning of Snape and of everybody, basically so far. I I'm not sold on either of those Dumbledore, so I'm really excited to see who they choose for the for the show. I do, are we still talking about, or are we gonna move on from um Harry getting sorted? Because I have a comment about that. Tell us. Well, go ahead. Another question for the listeners. Mm-hmm. How did you feel for especially for the listeners who um <laughs> so funny whenever I ask a question like for the listeners who watch the movies but didn't read the books that's like this is like the um, the ultimate um, psychology test like whenever you're looking for psychology subjects you want twins who grew up in separate environments that's like the ultimate goldmine for testing psychology theories and so I feel like whenever I'm asking for listeners who have <laughs> watched the movies and not read the books I'm asking for like twins separated at birth anyways So, for those of you who did not read the books, when Harry gets sorted into Gryffindor, so after the whole speech with the sorting hat, and then he screams Gryffindor, and the music swells, and the entire Great Hall is erupting, Dumbledore tips his goblet at Harry, Harry, you know, like all of this, it's like the most, it's like they won the House Cup at that moment when Harry gets sorted. (laughs) And I know that... I know why like I know the theory that they were going with you know like what they were trying to do as in like like you know you're they're trying to make the audience watching be excited that Harry like got something that he wanted finally and that he like gets to be in this house that ideally he's gonna feel safe in so like I get what they were going for but it's so dramatic it's so dramatic (laughs) and it again so unrealistic for what would happen and also not exactly what happened in the book anyway like the book was you feel Harry's relief but as far as mm-hmm. everybody else there's lots of like murmurs about Harry being Harry Potter and stuff which they you know they kind of teased in in the film and of course Gryffindor is excited to have a celebrity on their in in their house but again it just felt we like really, Potter. It, yeah it was like it was like the end of the movie it felt like the ending of a movie When In the film when Harry got sorted into Gryffindor. So I'm curious if people who did not read the books and just watched the movies felt like that was kind of an out of place sort of overly dramatic feeling. Or if I'm being really picky, I also know that I am being really picky anyway. So, But I'm curious about my twin separated at birth and how you all feel about that scene.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I agree with you. So I would like to see how non-readers felt about that scene too
1: <laughs> so dramatic any mm-hmm. other
0: thoughts about the sortings in the great hall before we see our common room for the first time
1: yeah I do but after the sorting mm-hmm. but I've been talking a lot so if anybody else has something first you guys can talk <laughs> I don't have much so James I've, do you have anything I've
2: been inputting as much as I can input so I am good so far
1: Okay, I'll lightning round right, through sense. my notes. So I think that the food scene is great. I think that in the film, they did a great Agreed. job with yeah. showing the food all of a sudden, having it be magical, showing Ron Very just like practical. chowing down yes. on the chicken thighs. Like, I did
0: write down that
1: the kids must have had a blast filming oh this scene. I didn't even think about that. I'm sure they did. <laughs> That's so cute to think about. Um, I thought they did such a great job with that. Yeah. Um, I don't like Dumbledore's speech after the food goes away, but we already talked about that just because I feel like it's, um, I don't know. I just wanted a little bit more from it because you get a little bit more from it in the, uh, in the book, you know, like the reactions that the kids have and stuff. I do like how during Dumbledore's first speech, they show, um, In the film, they show the trio's faces when Harry or whatever, whatever part of it, when Dumbledore says, if you do not wish to die the most painful death or whatever. And then it pans over to, like, I think um, Neville and Harry and Ron's faces in particular in the film. And they're kind of like, they're like, what is this guy talking about? And I and I like that they added that into the movie because it's like just a little bit of kind of
0: foreshadowing
1: Well, and, like, the way that they did it was kind of funny because it's, like, a little out of character from the the rest of the way that they typically portrayed the characters in the film. So I did like that they added that in because it felt kind of reminiscent of the book. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I like that. Um, Neville, I want to see more of Neville talking about his family in the show because that was uh, not a big yes. part of the chapter in the book. But, you know, he talks about how he wasn't mag- – his family thought that he wasn't magical and it took him a long time to – express that finally and like talking about how his family was really excited when he finally did when he they dropped him off the deck or whatever and he bounced all the way down the road like i want to i want to see that in the in the show um i wrote down percy gossip queen i love when (laughs) harry is asking about snape and then percy is telling him about uh how snape wants to be the professor of the dark arts it's not really gossip queen but that's just like what popped into my head so
2: Um, Now, I do want to say, I I do want to say this is the um, Matthew Lewis is the first is introduced in this part of the movie for the first time as Neville Longbottom. And I think he was the best Neville Longbottom personally. Um, Mm -hmm. I think he 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 as a person really emulated neville and then through the years as he's like grown growing up and like getting into himself it kind of reflects neville's character as as a person who's gaining confidence in himself because like Mm -hmm. this first year he's all kind of like uh but uh uh and then like the last year he's leading a freaking revolution of students against like the evil teachers and so you're kind of just like neville's character grows and matthew lewis did a very good job portraying them so matthew lewis is like one of my favorite actors in the movies that portrays his Mm -hmm. like their character very well
1: oh absolutely i feel it will definitely
2: be interesting to see who they do for neville in the future but like matthew lewis is uh, hard to replace in that sense
1: I agree with that. I think they nailed that casting. Um,
0: I think they did a good job casting the movies as a whole.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, I think so too. I think McGonagall might be in Hagrid. Oh God, I don't know. They're all. Great. I know.
0: I know. <laughs> 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 we'll have to do a fan cast episode yes. and really dive into the characters oh, yeah. and 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 who portrayed them.
1: Um. Okay. Yes, Meeks. Are you still lightning? Um. I'm almost done. Uh. We already talked about the ghost. I wrote ghosts, not funny in the film and they were funny in the book. And so I'm kind of sad that they took away a lot of that personality. Although I think that the way that they did the nearly headless Nick um, conversation was pretty good. Uh, I hate how they did the bloody Baron because he is not funny in the books. And I feel like that was a mistake. (laughs) Um, But again, they didn't know. know.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. James. Exactly. Um, But yeah, they didn't, I I don't know how I, I can't, I'm gonna sound like a broken record, um but knowing the full story is gonna help the show so much it
1: better it better it will it, it will. will
0: it will um,
1: <laughs> I like it um I like how they had Hermione when she was asking nearly headless Nick about how he how he's nearly headless like I feel like they did a good job you know kind of showcasing her character and her personality, but what I don't agree with is Hermione would know about nearly headless Nick right she like read all of the books already and so like well feel who she...
0: knows if the like ghosts yeah personalities are described in the Hogwarts of history or how but he died sure they mean, say... yeah no I don't know how well you think she really like researched all the ghosts
1: I don't know it just seemed like, like something hermione well, would do like
0: but here's a here's a note. It's not her in the books that says
1: nearly headless. I it's know. Sheamus. That's why I feel like when they added that into the film, I was like, okay, well, they ma- they made that she, you know, she looked like she was Hermione while she was saying that. But I'm like, Hermione wouldn't be the one to ask this. It would be somebody like Seamus. Yeah. So, don't particularly agree with that. Um, <laughs> and I don't like that <laughs> Percy doesn't seem stuffy enough. Because he's so snobby and stuffy in the books. And he's really flat and doesn't have much of a personality in the movies. And so I really wish that I could have seen more snobby Percy. Especially with much, much later in the series, the problems that arise from Percy. And so I Mm -hmm. think that it makes a lot more sense when, which again, they didn't know that when they made this film. So I kind of get that. I still think they didn't need to make him so flat, but I really hope that in the show, they make him super stuck up and then it'll make a lot more sense later on with his character
2: development. Um, This is what I'm saying about TV shows and how I I love TV shows over movies in the sense of character development. Mm -hmm. Movies just never have enough time to develop a character properly. Whereas TV shows have... A ton of time and a lot of wiggle room. And if it's done right, I'm not saying there's uh, there are some TV shows that are just not good in can- character development because this the writing is terrible or whatever. But good TV shows stand out because the character it's always the characters. And so I love this opportunity because it's going to give us the opportunity to flesh out characters like Percy, like the Dursleys. Uh, and then introduce characters we've never even seen before, like Peeves and Professor Binns and Winky. And so mm-hmm. this is just, this is going to be, I'm excited for this because I want to see us delve deeper into these characters that we didn't get to enjoy on screen in the movies. Uh, mm-hmm. Percy would have been a great side story to kind of delve into with his family because Harry's right there in the middle of it. And seeing all of that happen would have had like a good impact, but we don't get that because that's not a focus in the movie that they chose to right. uh, go down, which is okay, because in a movie, you can't tell everything. And that's just one of the things that follows by the wayside. But that has to be one of the focuses going forward on the TV shows developing these side characters because it's always the side characters that help bring some life to it. If you're only just focusing on the main characters and then you're just letting like side characters exist, it's not going to be a good TV show. Mm
1: -hmm. Agreed. Um, I do really, really want to see, I highlighted um, Dudley had always taken anything that Harry really wanted. Even if it made him sick, Harry piled his plate with a bit of everything except the peppermints and began to eat. We don't, app was such a specific thing to add in and we don't get any more information throughout the rest of the wizarding world about why harry doesn't like peppermints and i want to um i want to know more if jk rowling is going to put that in i want to know all of the lore about harry not liking peppermint um okay uk listeners blocks of ice cream in every flavor you could think of are your ice cream portions in blocks ours are not in blocks. So UK listeners, please answer what that means. (laughs) Please share pictures of your ice cream box with us. Um, And then again, in Dumbledore's speech, Dumbledore's twinkling eyes flashed in the direction of the Weasley twins. I want to see more of that in the show where it's like the clear kind of cute little indications that so much in the in the books in general keeps getting brought back to the weasley twins there are so many times that they are mentioned by all the teachers and by everybody and so i really want to see more connections throughout the whole tv show series bringing things back to the weasley twins
2: Mm
1: -hmm. um and i think that that's it for the great hall i have like a whole bunch more highlights but i don't think they're as important so i can skip those
0: I think Sam I'm good time.
1: I mean, um, when Dumbledore says that they're gonna sing the school song, and Harry noticed that the other teacher's smiles had become rather fixed, I want to see <laughs> like that like see all the teachers super uncomfortable to have to sing. Um, and it's wait, no, there is a um a deleted scene or not a deleted scene, but an extra scene, right? When they're all singing the song isn't there that one? Is,
0: it's a deleted scene no. you're right but it must not be in the extended version because I, I think do, i know
1: i've
2: I, seen it i do remember that because it's in a different movie
1: it's not in the first one. Um, oh, it's in the fourth one no
2: it's in, it's in the fourth one
0: okay that's not the hogwarts song though is it that's like the toads oh no that's the third one Okay, so there's a deleted scene. No, it's in the fourth one. So you're walking in the forest with
2: Hagrid. It's Hagrid, Harry, Ron, and Hermione, and they're all celebrating There's a deleted scene
0: singing the Hoggy Hoggy Hogwarts, though, right? In the
1: the the Great Great Hall. Hall. We'll have to look it up. Yeah.
2: In the Great Hall for the first one?
1: I I think it's not this first movie, though. I think it's the fourth movie when they're in the Great Hall, and it's a deleted scene. Because I remember seeing it on TV once, and I was like, whoa, this is... They put this in.
0: Um... Because all of the, um, not all of, but the other two schools have their like entrances. Yes. So it kind of makes sense. That's that what it is. Hogwarts would have their own. Oh, uh, yes. yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Well okay. But I, okay. I'm
2: specifically remembering when Hagrid, Hermione, and like Ron and Harry are singing it. And then mm. Harry discovers Barty. The body. Approaches yeah. The body.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yes.
2: That's the um, scene I remember from. And that's like how I remember the song is like, oh, it's from that little moment. But that's right. like three movies away
1: right um i want to obviously see this song and everybody singing it especially i highlighted only the weasley twins were left singing along to a very slow funeral march yes. and then, um and dumbledore and then was dumbledore just like
2: Conducting the entire thing, yes. waiting for, them and then to he be says, done.
1: "On music," he said, wiping his eyes. A magic beyond all we do here, like him crying, like watching the Weasley twins singing the funeral march yeah, version of yes. it. I want to see that <laughs> that
0: quirkiness. Yes, yes. I just, uh, yeah. you're right. I can't wait to see who's going to portray him, I and I just hope that quirkiness comes through, man.
1: I know, me too. Yeah, I missed it a lot in the in the movies. I mean, yeah. I think they did fine for what for the yeah. movie they're going for. I think they did fine. But, um, I Richard also I a a highlighted one. I like J.K. Rowling does this a lot. And I think it's, I like when writers in general do this when on Harry's other side, Percy Weasley and Hermione were talking about lessons. Of course, the two of them were talking about lessons mm-hmm. when they're all eating. And then she says in parentheses this like rapid run on sentence about Hermione talking about um, like how much she wants to learn, how she can't wait to start getting in the classrooms. And, you know, like, explaining to percy like what magic is basically even though percy's been in the school for a while and (laughs) i love i mean it's just such a you know great example of hermione's character and so and that came right after the paragraph when neville was talking about his experience with you know them finding out that he's a Mm. wizard so um i like that how it was written and so i hope we get it in the show where harry's just kind of like looking around kind of listening into how all the other conversations are going yeah um, okay, I think I'm good for now. <laughs>
0: so we are, um, Percy leads us to the Gryffindor Common Room. And-
2: <laughs> Sorry, I had to say that because we get to see him for the first time ever. I know, and that yep. would have been. You know, I feel like they maybe have filmed, maybe they filmed this or maybe they didn't. I don't know. But like they're taking Harry to, in the movie, they're taking Harry with the first years to the Gryffindor common room. How simple would it have been to just put 30 seconds of good old peas just going, equal firsties and then just throwing sticks at people. Like, come on. That would have been comedy gold.
0: It would happen. yes they did film a scene with someone was cast as Peeves, and they filmed a the scene and it was cut and it could have been it very well could have been this
1: i just i know yeah no I, I i know i don't know um i think the the beginning part of when they see peeves a bundle of walking sticks was floating in midair ahead of them and as Percy took a step toward them, they started throwing themselves at him. That's so funny. And I really, hope, really, really hope that they keep like every, every detail of the Peeves scenes are always good. And so I really hope that they keep them really accurate when they <laughs> do show him in the show. They can't not put him in if they're going to have a whole show.
2: No. They have to. See, the reason I yeah. like our name being Peeves Gabfest is because we're going to get so popular in the next little bit mm-hmm. that we're mm-hmm. just going to go ranting Peeves all the time. That they're <laughs> just going to go, the Harry Potter fandom is going to want Peeves. You have to put them in. Yeah. Yeah. So exactly. we're, we're starting a like, movement. Let's
1: just them to shut up. Yeah. I do love that <laughs> right away. <laughs> <you're Peeves. laughs> I, I love that right away we get Peeves saying Ickle firsties. Yeah, what fun! I,
2: I just oh, what first- fun!
1: <laughs> <laughs> this is the first time I, when I read this book, this is the first time. Well, not this scene because they say it before, but the word "ickle" for like, you know, like slightly making fun of whoever you're talking about. I think it's really funny, and I've never obviously used it on a person, but like, I, I don't know, I love. The idea of having the word "ickle" be in front of stuff, <laughs> and so Ickle. I wonder how common that actually is in the UK to say that. I mean, she yeah. puts it in all the time in the books, so I would imagine common. But yeah, I uh, I love this whole scene, even though it's really quick. But I love it, and I can't wait to can't wait to see it in the show.
0: Yeah, it will be. Peeps will be there. Mm-hmm.
2: We just have to make it sound. Uh... Okay, What so-
0: did you guys think of the common room when we saw it in the film? Because I thought, first of all, I thought that it was a lot smaller than I remember it being in future films it, and a lot smaller than I would imagine it mm-hmm. being from the books. Yes,
1: yeah,
2: so agreed. Well, and it changes so often. <laughs>
1: Which is fine. Supply. We're in a magic school. Yeah. But it does yeah. seem way too small in, in yeah. this it- scene. For it to be a it common does. room for that many students.
2: It, it it does. And it definitely feels like don't you have like a ton of kids in the school? And like, where are they all fitting into this small common room? And then you like see the right. Slytherin's common cases. room, and you're kind of like, that is a lot more spacious.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, so that is actually something I wanted to comment on because throughout the series, we do see obviously the Gryffindor. We get to see Slytherin, and we get to see the Ravenclaw common room um, in one of the later books. Um, But you never get to see the Hufflepuff. And J.K. did say it. She originally intended um, for Harry to see all of the common rooms at some point. But alas, Hufflepuff was omitted. So I just wanted to describe the Hufflepuff common room. Um, and basically, it's just very like comfy and cozy. It's full of plants. It's really down to earth um, and like inviting. So that's the Half Common Room for you guys.
2: And it's and um, the entrance is behind or by the kitchens behind a painting of mm-hmm. f- a bowl of fruit. Uh,
1: um, no, that's for the the house elves' kitchen. Right. Yeah, that's
0: that you tickle the. The, the pear? bowl of fruit is to the kitchens.
1: You tickle the pear, but, right, to open the painting.
0: Yes, for the for the kitchens. But we are the the uh, the Hufflepuff common room is behind the kitchens. It's, it's close to the kitchens, and there's a whole bunch of um, like wine barrels, and you have to tap the white the oh, right okay, yeah, wine yeah, yeah. barrel. I was thinking about it. Differently. Um, and you have to tap it to the tune of Helga Hufflepuff, which I imagine is. That's and that's so how cute. you get into the common room.
1: That's so cute. I love it. Yeah. That's I awesome. wish we could see it. Maybe they'll do a Hufflepuff spinoff. Oh, I'd love that. <laughs> <laughs> I would too. I'm not Hufflepuff, but I would Maybe love that. I, I, one of Maybe
2: this... J.K. Rowling will finally be like, it's time to get Harry in the Hufflepuff common room. Yeah. And add a new scene that was never put in the books that we get to get to have Harry go into the mm-hmm. Hufflepuff common room for some reason. It
0: would be great to know like who she would have had him go to the common room with yeah. or how he got there. Um uh, Cause like Justin Finch, Fletchley is a common Hufflepuff Ernie that they talk was about right? a lot. Susan oh, is Bones. that what it is? No, yeah.
2: no, Anna both of Abbott. them, right?
0: Or er- Ernie and Justin. Yeah.
1: I think
2: Ernie I right? is Gryffindor.
0: Ernie. Justin is, he? is Hufflepuff. I think,
2: so. I think he's. We're
1: gonna Google it right now.
0: Yeah, Google Ernie because I think you might be right, but I. Justin is a.
2: Justin is a. Oh Hufflepuff. Oh my gosh! I'm such a bad Hufflepuff. Hannah Abbott is another yep. one. Susan Bones is another one. Ern-
1: mm-hmm. Ernest Macmillan is Hufflepuff.
2: Okay. Oh, I'm thinking somebody else.
1: Um, so, um,
0: yeah, it would be nice to see. How she wanted to, how what her original attention would be, and where, what and year. The,
2: these are kids that we could get actors for these kids, and they could be recurring characters through the the show, because yeah. Ernie McMillan, Hannah Abbott, Susan Boone, they all continue to come back throughout right. the years,
1: yeah, constantly. I, mean, I would totally watch a like a mini series about the Hufflepuff house, and just like, I mean, they could. Sh- they could do whatever about it, you know, just kind of like their day to day Hogwarts life and have like a small plot line or whatever for those yeah. side characters and I think that'd be great just as a little mini series
0: um I know that a popular fandom like want for spinoffs is the Hogwarts founders, oh yeah, creating the school um yeah. so that could even be cool, like how they created. The school itself, how they decided Saturday to have
1: and James, can yes. we do a fan cast episode about what we want the Hogwarts founders episode to be? And yeah, okay, thank you. <laughs> I do, um, I do have a gripe, a compliment and a gripe with the the mm-hmm. layout of Hogwarts. Is this a good time to do that? Because they showed the yeah. staircases, of, yeah. You know, um, I think that the staircase is changing is really cool. How they did it in the film, it makes sense for early 2000s, the way that they did it. I think the CGI is good for the time period and how yeah. they have the staircases just kind of going up. Not linear, but like, kind of, you know, they're squared. And then they just rotate on, like at a 90 degree angle or whatever. Like it makes sense, obviously, for the 2000s but in the books it's much more um creative and i guess organic with how the staircases change it from my head from when i'm reading the books Mm. and so that might not be the same thing that's in everybody's heads but i think they did a good job in the films with that part but i want to see more and i highlighted it oh wait i think this is actually in the next chapter when they go into more detail about it so i'll just wait until we do the next okay i'll wait till we do the next episode because we just see a little bit of it that does that does
2: give me the opportunity to say that there are two games that you can go into the Hufflepuff common room. One Ooh. is Harry Potter Lego, Lego Harry Potter. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then uh, the other one is uh, the Hogwarts. It's an app on your phone. It's called a uh, Hogwarts mystery. Uh, if you get assigned the Hufflepuff house, you can go in and see the Hufflepuff house. That's
0: yeah. Cool. Well, and then Hogwarts legacy as well.
2: Oh yeah. Hogwarts legacy too. <laughs> I haven't played that one yet, though, so...
0: I have played a little bit of it. And first of all, we're going to talk about Hogwarts Legacy, the robes design in that game. I want the Hufflepuff robe. It is beautiful. Um, But yes, the common room is really awesome. That's cool.
2: So if those people want to go see the uh, Hufflepuff common room, those are some of the best ways to do it. Um.
1: I, do, I did write down rest of students, question mark, when they're in the common room when Percy's taking them up there because mm. there's like 20 kids.
0: Yeah, they might have waited, you know, for all of those other students to get
1: – Maybe. But then yeah.
0: why wouldn't they just be ha- – That's the thing because in this book, they just made it very quiet and yeah. small. And then in the other books, like they're doing homework, it's an actual common room.
1: Right. Um,
0: but that's, you know, whatever. We're,
1: but fine. I do think that the way that they <laughs> – designed that set even though the the common room looks really small which is interesting i do think that the way that they designed it was really magical and cozy maybe it's like a special first year common room (laughs) maybe oh yeah it might be like a little i don't know nook (laughs) yeah a nook um so i don't i didn't like hate it but um i thought for what Mm. they did it looked really good for what they were going for but it was questionable compared to the practicalities of all
0: and I get ones. that the movies are, you know, directed and by different people, and I mean it's amazing that we had the same cast through all seven films, um, totally for the most part. Um, but for I, the most part, <laughs> I'm very excited to have um, consistency in the sets for the show.
1: Yes, definitely. Yes, I do agree with that. Um, and I do wish that the the fat lady portrait, even though that yeah. didn't have much. You know in this chapter Mm-mm. uh you know in the book or in the movie but when i saw how they portrayed her in the movie i was like eh, this isn't what was in my head so i feel like she has more she has more like sass
2: and quirk
0: yes. going on so and we, we kind we of do... get that
1: later on yeah
2: yeah later on we in, do get in different movie. fat ladies portrayed yeah. Multiple right. actresses played the fat lady throughout. She the just
1: years. has a bigger part in the books like throughout the whole series mm-hmm. and so um they just, you know, it was just really limited in the film so it was fine enough for the like two hours. And that's team something
0: thing. that you can film her <laughs> you can, like you can film all of yeah. her scenes, right? You know, cuz she's in, in that one frame, you know, right. and you you have all of the dialogue for the whole show. That's <laughs> a very good
1: point. Yes. Um, and then I have difficult. one more note for the very last part of the chapter, if we're at that part, or if somebody else has something to say first. I do have a question, but go
0: go ahead and say your.
1: I want to see in the um in the show, and they do this in the later films more when it becomes more quote unquote important, but. I want to see more in the show of Harry's dreams because they have, he has a lot, he has a lot of those and because they mean something, yes. you know? And so yeah. they, they show it later on, especially when it pertains to Voldemort. But in, I, I I want to see the dream that Harry has at the very end of this chapter, you know, with yes. Quirrell's turban, he's wearing Quirrell's turban, which keeps talking to him, which is a
2: huge mm-hmm. foreshadow
1: for the rest of the book. Mm-hmm. And I want to see that you know on the screen i think that that would be really cool and then you know throughout the rest of it um the the rest of his dream i want to see that whole thing so i i want them to keep that in
0: right so my question is we obviously know that harry does have a connection to voldemort and do we think that this dream is that connection starting to show itself um because we know his scar already hurt Um, and that's because of Voldemort's feelings.
2: To add on earlier to our discussion about Quirrell, we should have realized that because if Voldemort was there, his scar would have hurt when he shook Quirrell's hand. Because his, this is the first time in the book that his scar hurts, and in the movie, like his scar prickles because Voldemort's nearby.
0: Yes. So I I would like to see in the show him not have the turban on. At the Leaky Cauldron, and shake hands, and then he gets the turban for the, at the Great Hall. We see he has the turban, and um, maybe even a line of Harry questioning the turban. And because there's a whole month, right? He goes back to the Dursleys for a month after he yep. meets him, so that's yep. when he could go meet the vampires and get and get the turban or wh- whoever he meets out there.
2: Well, actually. I think he wears the turban to cover up the fact that he's connected to Voldemort. But it is it is his, interesting his to
0: excuse. See.
2: Yeah, it, that's his excuse. Is he's still got like a whole yeah. other month for that. But I think we'll talk about this a little bit more in chapter 8 about like when he connected to Voldemort because uh there's some information in there that kind of makes me go, "Where are we with this?" So We'll, we'll talk a little bit more about it mm-hmm. when we uh, get to the next chapter because there's some information in that chapter that makes it very like questionable where all this was going in the first place but we have some mm-hmm. dots to connect
0: right okay so any last thoughts before we get into our peeves peeves, peeves pleasure and weasley salute
2: nope i'm ready
1: I think I right, surprisingly go. have nothing else to say at the moment. <laughs>
0: well, I like the lightning round.
1: Um, so, James, what was your peeves
0: peeve?
2: Oh, we're doing peeves first instead of pleasures, or
0: or peeves pleasure. Sorry, I wrote it down.
2: <laughs> so I wrote I wrote it down peeves, wrong on my, my p- on my notes. My peeves pleasure. Was how well they did the uh, Great Hall scene. And uh, it's one of those iconic scenes. The music is awesome. The visual effects were awesome. <laughs> Everything was nicely done. I think it was a great introduction into this wizarding school of Hogwarts. Obviously, like the introduction to the wizarding world was Diagon Alley, but like introducing ourselves to Hogwarts and our seven-year run with Hogwarts it was this scene and it did a very good job of like showing how awesome like Harry feels in the area and how he like how he's taking it all in the the first years are all going wow oh that's so cool and Hermione's just like I read about it in Hogwarts history yeah that's just, it I, I have no problems at all with any of those like any of those moments and I think that part of the movie I I may go back and re- like wreck on this but really to me right now that part of the movie is probably the best adapted part of the movie in the entire movie. Mm. Uh because I just I find no like I find no nothing more they could have added that would have made it any better, mm-hmm. essentially. Yes, I would have liked to see more. Yes, I would like to see all those details in the books becoming part of the TV show. But, like, as part of the movie, I think that was expertly done. Hands down,
0: yeah, I don't really have a specific moment. Um, I just really appreciated the CGI, especially for its time. I thought that everything looked really great in this scene, um, or these few scenes, particularly the hat. Mm-hmm. Um, Meigs also mentioned earlier the food appearing on the tables. Mm-hmm. Um, I just thought everything looked really really good and, and brought those pages to life. The candles floating. Definitely. Yeah. The sky, yeah. the ceiling sky. Yeah. I just thought everything looked really great.
1: Mine, I think would be, I, I agree with both of you with the whole great hall scene. I I think in general, they did a good job with that um, or fantastic job with that actually. Um, but I guess my, no, this will be my salute actually. Um, so yeah. And I think that the, um, I think that the common room, even though we talked about, you know some very slight I- issues that we have with how small they made it and stuff i think that overall just the um the magical feeling that they put throughout the whole thing i'll make that my yeah. my pleasure i think just overall they did they just did a really good job with it boom all
0: right so now it's time for peace peep <laughs> <laughs> James, do you want to start?
2: Uh, My peeves, peeves was not having peeves. Yeah,
0: that's a good one. It's a little, (laughs) it's a little corny, uh, just a little little bit. But no,
2: I mean, come on. One of us had
0: to have that as our Peeves. I mean,
2: (laughs) come on, you just yeah, you had one opportunity and had one job. (laughs) You blew it, Warner (laughs) Studios. How could you not give us such an amazing ghost that does so... uh, Poltergeist, I mean. That does so much in the stories. (laughs) Like, oh my goodness gracious. Like, gosh, come on. So that's like the only thing. If I had to choose another because probably some people would have expected this answer. Uh, My second (laughs) one would be the fact that we didn't get a proper Hogwarts, like sorting I wish they had Mm -hmm. maybe done a little bit more uh, like a a few more kids maybe a little bit more Mm -hmm. variety I'm kind of upset that Ravenclaw didn't even get an opportunity to have a first year shown in the movie like Hufflepuff got theirs Draco Malfoy was for Slytherin and then we have like three right like Gryffindors all in a row where's the love for Ravenclaw come on (laughs) so
0: and in the book uh, the first three sortings are um, the our houses. I believe it's two Ravenclaws and one Hufflepuff, or yeah. that might I might have mixed those up. But it is, it is nice. I agree hundred percent that we definitely need more. Um, and that leads right into my peeve, which is the alphabetical order. Really, really got on my nerves. Oh yeah.
1: So I do not like more that sorting,
0: more alphabetical order in the sorting, more house pride. <laughs> all four.
1: Definitely.
2: Yes.
0: Totally agree. And Meegs? Peef peeve?
1: My peeve, well, I do have quite a few, but the um, Bloody <laughs> Baron. Mm, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Can't
0: stand That's that. a good one. All right, let's move on to our Weasley salute. Oh, and by the way, two Hufflepuffs
1: and then two Ravenclaws. The
0: first four sortings are yep. two Ravenclaws. And, and then Lavender
1: Brown became the first Gryffindor. And then Millicent Bolstro became the first Slytherin.
0: Yeah, so we want that word for word in the the show.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Why not?
0: Thanks for looking that up, Meeks. All right, now, Weasley salute. James, I know you say that you should go last because you're usually so passionate, but I like you going first, Mm -hmm. even though it's hard to follow
1: up.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So, my Weasley salute for Chapter 7 is actually not going to be as dramatic as chapter eights will be. But chapter seven, I really, I don't know. This chapter is kind of, it's it's, got, it's kind of got a lot to like, to, to cover. In a sense of like, all of the little like details that I like to focus on. But the biggest details that... I feel like our most important is Dumbledore and the Sorting Hat. I feel like those are the key central p- players of this chapter, and they're the ones that set the tone for uh, Harry's experience going forward a- after that. So Harry's love for being in Gryffindor was all because of his experience for uh, what he had with the Sorting Hat and so my Weasley salute has to go off to dumbledore and the sorting hat this time around because how jk rowling does a very great job expertly of utilizing those components in influencing harry's experience at hogwarts and uh it he His approach to his experience is influenced by these two characters. It obviously doesn't affect the overall experience because he has like a little escapade with uh, Snape later down the line. But basically, the Sorting Hat makes his love for the Gryffindor house like extremely so because it's something that Harry gets to choose for himself for like the first time. Like Mm. a big momentous decision. He gets to decide, and the the Sorting Hat basically makes him feel like he decided to be a part of something for himself without somebody else telling him to do it or somebody else saying that he had to do it because of this and this and this. Like you think about Harry's lifestyle and Harry Harry's choice, uh, you know, choice and livings and all that stuff, he didn't have any because the Dursleys controlled literally, I would say, one hundred percent of his life the only things they couldn't control were the magical elements of it. Like they tried giving him haircuts, but then his hair would just grow back out the way that he wanted it to. But essentially this is hair. Like Harry got to go choose his wand, like sort of choose his wand. He got to choose probably Hedwig as a gift from Hagrid. Uh, he got to buy things for his own self, but like those aren't actual It's extremely instrumental choices jk rowling does a really good job and letting the the sorting hat be the instigator to harry making his first official choice on his own and he, that's what influences his love for gryffindor going forward it's not that he thinks Gryffindor's better than everything else he knew, knew nothing about these houses but by saying I don't want to be part of Slytherin and not be part of the stigma that is for that. He basically told the, the sorting hat, Hey, I don't want that as part of my legacy. I want to be something, a part of something better. And so the, the sorting hat went with the choice that would have made that possible. And that was Gryffindor. And so Harry in, in theory, or in you know, in a way, chose Gryffindor for himself, and he then loves that that house to the death for the very end of time. Mm. Uh, and then Dumbledore comes in and says all the things that he says. But he, he Dumbledore, is coming in and saying his speech at, at the beginning and kind of sets the tone for uh sets the tone for how i wouldn't say want to we say weird um but like how unique and different there you go that's a better description uh, how unique and different hogwarts is going to be as an experience for harry because harry was like is he like was he crazy and percy was like no he's a genius like that obviously sets his first impressions of Dumbledore. And then we Harry will get to meet Dumbledore later down the line, obviously. Uh, he sees Dumbledore at, at these points in times so when he never actually interacts with Dumbledore. And when he interacts with Dumbledore, his perspective of him changes. But he, his observations of Dumbledore makes his observations of what Hogwarts is going to be like interesting. Uh, And the second part of the speech that Dumbledore gives makes it so that, you know, Harry understands kind of like the rules and expectations, but in reality, Harry's just intrigued by all of the things that Dumbledore is saying because like, Oh, you can't go into the forest for some reason. Oh, you can't go into the third corridor for some reason. Uh, Magic isn't allowed. Oh, Quidditch startups are going to try out. Like these are all things that are getting Harry the opportunity to like, in delve into a world he's like ready to delve into and that's what probably sets his first precedence of his experience within the first week of hogwarts is because these two things are basically standing it up on a pedestal so i think jk rowling did a really good job in writing uh speech i think jk rowling did a really good job in creating the sorting hat and its purpose of how Harry is going to experience his own house and things like that going forward. But they're really, these are things that you, you only notice after truly sitting down and analyzing what's of like, what's right in front of you.
0: So uh, Meeks, your Weasley salute.
1: My Weasley salute was McGonagall, I think Um, just kind of, holding down the fort and not letting these kids mm-hmm. get away with anything. And it was just a good introduction to her character. Well, mm-hmm. se- I guess second introduction, but the first like real introduction, you know? Right, right, right. Um, but yeah, I just love, love how she just takes no shit from anybody. And um, so like, I like, yeah, I just like it. I, I like her. I like the way that Dame Maggie <laughs> Smith played her. I think that yes. I think it was great.
0: I, have down that uh, my Weasley salute is Ronald saying the line about how there isn't a witch or wizard that went bad that wasn't in Slytherin Mm -hmm. because I I like that it's coming from Braun rather than Hagrid because Hagrid is an adult in this world and coming from Braun, it's more like, ooh, like all the bad guys are in Slytherin and it's more of a little kid's opinion rather Mm -hmm. than fact. Mm-hmm. And I mean, in the books and through Harry's eyes, Slytherin is a bad house, but it's not. Like we're we're gonna have listeners that are Slytherins and they're gonna be good people, you know? Um, so I like that they made that change because it takes away the weight of that line and making the stigma of Slytherin's a bad house. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Well, listeners, thank you for causing havoc with us today. Next time we will be discussing Chapter 8, The Potion's Master. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. wonder who that could be. <laughs> this is also minutes 50, 23 to 55, fifty-five uh, thirty-three of the film. James, where can listeners find you?
2: Uh, listeners can find me on Instagram, uh, jamesmbeltran. Uh but guess what, listeners? We now have an official TikTok page uh that you can uh, go into. So uh there are basically two uh that you can kind of see uh no um notifications from and stuff like that. You have the official Peeves Gab Fest uh TikTok, which is not syncing for me. I'm trying to like get the little thing. So it's uh at Peeves Gabfest, literally just that, uh, and you can follow us there for official Peeves Gabfest podcast uh, stuff. But then you can also follow me on uh, TikTok as James M Beltran, where I will be doing little uh trivia bits of harry potter and little trivia bits of like uh little sketches of like things and maybe going into like the lore of the harry potter world uh and kind of just adding little things and being the mascot of the show and saying hey this is like what we were (laughs) talking about behind the scenes for this as we were making this episode and this is the stuff that we read into this and i will also do um analytics on this TikTok page where I kind of go deep into the characters. This is something I uh, graduated into. Like I, I analyzed plays and stories and things like that uh, while I was in college. And it's something I really love to do. And Harry Potter is just full of all that kind of stuff. And so if you're interested in that kind of stuff, go ahead Mm -hmm. and follow me on there.
1: Sweet. Thanks for getting that set up.
0: Meeks, where can they find you? You
1: can find me all over Instagram. I have like 40,000 accounts, but you can find my main one at Megan underscore Lachowski, M-E-G-A-N underscore L-A-C-H-O-W-S-K-I. And then you can find the rest of the accounts that I'm on through there.
0: And you can find me, Sarah Day, on Instagram as well, and my other accounts linked at McD, and that's M-C-D-E-E. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen and leave a five-star review if you're as mischievous as we are. If you have any feedback, leave us a voicemail at 409-422-3378. That's 409-GABFEST. Or you can email us at peevesgabfest at gmail.com. Also, join the discussion in our Facebook group. We're having a lot of fun over there at facebook.com slash groups slash peevesgabfest and follow us all on instagram at peevesgabfest until next time ickle firsties
2: bye